This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 175 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of this Friday? Well, what I can tell you is Liz Porter is Canadian, eh? She has been working since she was 15, but spent most of her career in the corporate world, first as a cubicle slave and then as a corner office paper pusher. Blah. The economic crash in 2008 proved to be a pivotal time in Liz's life. A lot of material things were lost, but in hindsight, much more was gained. Getting laid off at age 48 started a surge of soul-searching. It led to a deeper dive into Liz's entrepreneurial spirit, a side of her that lay dormant due to a lack of self-esteem and self-confidence. Liz found the network marketing industry a great alternative to the 9-to-5 grind and spent seven years honing a new skill set and traveling. The side effects of working with all those new like-minded people was again life-changing and positive for Liz. She knew she was on the right path. A new mentor pointed Liz towards God, which led to her writing a memoir. It is about her repressed 10-year marriage to an abuser in a story format. The process was cathartic and she emerged a better version of herself. The experience of self-publishing led Liz to Medium, a blog blogging site where she found her true passion. Unfortunately, a second marriage to a cop went wrong after nearly 20 years because he couldn't keep his zipper zipped. The death of Liz's father opened her eyes further to how fragile our lives are. Sometimes Liz wonders if the tough stuff she endured early in life was preparation for the second half of her journey. But she is certain that her real purpose is to empower others with their own journey and thereby her pen merely operating as a tool in which to make that happen. Liz, I want to welcome you to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm good, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Well, it's such an honor to have you, and uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed our initial conversation in the booking of this and uh, really getting a sense of who you are, and I just want to first off say that I commend you 
um, because for me, it's not about the book itself. It's about the indomitable spirit in which you embody. So as to make the book and everything else you're doing it in terms of paying it forward and being of service uh, possible to the collective. So I just want to say congratulations on you for your fortitude, your perseverance, and uh, all the good work that you're putting out there into the world, which we all could benefit from. So thank you. No, well, thank you, Lisa, for all those kind words. <laughs> Well, honestly, I'm very impressed by you and uh, for you to have overcome. And again, I don't even like to say the word survive. You know, when we talk about survivorship, I more am inclined to preface thriving, right? You're a thriver because you didn't just surpass the odds of what a lot of people statistically have overcome. Um just to get on with life, but you derive purpose and meaning. And by doing so, you've got a bigger message and you're taking your message to market so as to truly empower other people to empower themselves. And that's a gift, Liz, because you certainly are under no obligation in which to do that, yet you feel a calling to do that. So I just want to say I honor that in you. Oh, well, thank you very much. That's uh, It's kind of been my my plan is to take all that bad stuff and do something good with it. <laughs> and that's what led me to the book. Um, and a lot of self-help, a lot of um, intentional personal growth. Um, not always fun, but um, mm. <laughs> but the book, the book just, just doing that stopping and um, it gave me a whole new perspective. And it, mm. and it actually was extremely cathartic to write. It took actually 10 years to put that book together. <laughs> wow. Uh, because I had to keep stepping away from it as mm -hmm. I healed. Um, it would take me down another path and, and then eventually it kept steering me back, um, until it was done. Fantastic. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, not necessarily the details. Again, I take my cue from my, my guest as to what they want to share with the listening audience, but it's more about taking what you have in fact endured taking the tough life lessons in which you've now embodied, incorporated into your DNA in terms of the trajectory of your journey and putting good out there and emitting positive energy. Um, but let's talk about, in hindsight, in retrospect, what is it that you can say that you are most proud of or perhaps even most shocked or pleasantly surprised about yourself, whether it be a characteristic that you didn't even realize that you embodied or um whatever i don't want to put words in your mouth what is it that your <laughs> takeaway has been um i think i think the biggest thing would be um resilience um just uh, a lot stronger than i i thought i was um I know I was so young. I mean, I was 16 um 16 to 26 were those 10 rough years and um, I, I didn't realize how, how bad my situation was really until I had left it. Um, and so looking back, it would be, um, coming out of that, not, um, a bitter, um, unhappy person, but just looked at it as, you know, hard life lessons. I did, I did wonder for a long time, you know, the why me thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, once I shook that victim mentality and just looked at, you know, how do I get past this? Um, I think the the biggest thing, the thing I'm most proud of is is forgiving myself for the role that I played in it. Um, 
Okay. Okay. Let, let's, let's break that down a little bit because that's a very important concept and it's really part and parcel of the whole aspect of forgiveness in anyone's journey. Um, because the listeners who are tuned in might be going, okay, well, Liz was the one who was abused. What could she possibly, having been on the receiving end of all of that, what could she possibly have to forgive herself about? So explain that to us. Um, well, there's a lot of um, shame and um, embarrassment that goes around being uh, abused, especially for that long. Um, so my first step was learning that forgiving my abuser was actually okay because when I, when somebody mentions that to me, I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> How do mm-hmm. I forgive him for all of that? There, that would mean what he did was okay. Um, but what was explained um, through a Bible study actually was that forgiveness is more, it's for yourself. It's yes. to allow you to move forward. And um, it's nothing I ever had to say personally, directly to him. It was um, something that I did for myself. And once I understood that, like when, when I f- first imagined forgiving him, I thought I would be standing in front of him saying, I'm forgiving you, which, <laughs> which I had that all wrong. It was just um, internalizing that and um, realizing that, you know, he's a human that was maybe um, not um, treated properly himself. And, you know, that's all he knew. So you just forgive that human imperfection and then from for forgiving myself was was much harder that was easy the hard part is actually you know i made choices you know people used to say to me if it was that bad why didn't you just leave mm-hmm. and that's a really typical question yes it is <laughs> but to the abused person it's actually very hurtful mm-hmm. um, i always compare it to you know somebody who's lost a child and and people say, oh, oh, wow, you know, you know, things will get better. <clears throat> yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's there's things that, that people say to to you like that one. Um, you know, why didn't you just leave? Um, it's it goes so much deeper than that. There's it's not like one day you're just punched in the face and. And you didn't see it coming. It's it's very slow, progressive. Domestic abuse is is you have good days, you have bad days, and um, you know you don't even realize sometimes what you've got yourself involved in. So I I made choices, you know, like you'd have a good day and go, oh well, he only did that because, you know, you make excuses. He. Uh, he loves me so much he <laughs> to see that happen, you know, things like that. You make excuses. And so I, I made choices in my life. You know, I decided it wasn't that bad. I'll, I'll hoping, kept hoping it would get better because you'd have good days. Maybe this will be what it takes for him to change. So, so to, to forgive myself meant that I had to take responsibility for for some of my choices. And that was hard. Um, but, um, but I did it. I, you know, through a, and it just doesn't happen overnight. I don't, you don't just say I forgive myself. It's a, it's a process. Absolutely. Keep reminding yourself that, you know, um, 
you don't even really realize when you're in it. Um, and, and I think that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. <laughs> Beautiful. I didn't, it, it helped me actually um, process what I had been through and where I was after I'd written the book. Lovely. Well, you touched upon a few things that I think deserve uh, revisiting or, or a little bit more attention on, Liz. And so I think also self-forgiveness is also indicative. I mean, how one can come to realize to what degree they've grown leaps and bounds. Um, and you're quite right to say, you know, in terms of getting closure or to forgive uh, another party, uh, it's not necessarily having that face-to-face. -face. It's not even necessarily being on the receiving end of an apology. Oftentimes, the healing work that's attached to all of this, uh, it's because the things that we were deserving of hearing or or the big lingering question of why uh, may never be forthcoming. But you're quite right to say because it's your life and you've got to be in a good space with yourself. And every day, no matter what it is we as human beings collectively go through, every day is a healing process. It's a healing journey, no matter how far removed we might be from the once upon a time circumstance that catapulted us into having to be in a healing journey to begin with. Um, but I think I think forgiveness is also indicative of, in terms of knowing to what degree you have forgiven yourself, it's also the recognition of I've broken the cycle, right? I'm no longer attracting or um, being enamored or being gravitating towards similar type behaviors, characteristics uh, that would entrap me once again. Because it's like, as Maya Angelou says, once we know better, we do better. And when we learn those tough lessons that have really grown us and actualized us, um, it's really hard to go back to that, right? Because we re we recognize those older versions of ourselves in whatever level we might feel that we were complicit or culpable or whatever the case may be. And it's like when you ascend into that healing journey, it's like I can't return to that. I don't even recognize that anymore. So let's let's talk about the aspect of breaking the cycle. When did you become clear, even as a result of what we touched upon in the bio with your second marriage? How did you come to learn within yourself I've really broken the cycle here. Um, I think it was actually, to be really honest, like, I mean, I had breakthroughs. But when I really felt finished with all this was January 2020 when that book got published. Beautiful. And, <laughs> and I don't know what it was about that last step. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, the pulling the book together was completely effortless. Um, I didn't, I've never written anything <laughs> and to sit down and, and make your first writing experience in memoir was, was <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. What are you doing? <laughs> but um, um, I did not outline the book. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I sat down at my keyboard um, made I made the decision I, I explained that long story to you how I made that decision um, because a book had actually saved me mm -hmm. uh, when I was 24 a book that my mom suggested I read and it was called um, men who hate women and the women who love them my mm -hmm. doctor Susan Ford and I'll never forget it <laughs> so so um, 
what was coming through loud and clear for me was that I needed to sit down and, and write this. And when I say effortless, I mean, it felt like um, somebody was writing through me. Something was writing through me because I didn't know how to write a memoir. Um, and apparently the way I laid it out was correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, without having a clue. Um, so it's in a story format. It's not, it's not a long, boring autobiography. This is what I did on this day. It's each chapter is like an incident. And, Mm -hmm. and I started it when I was 24 and had gone to see my mom because there was incredible pressure to start a family. There had been since the day I'd been married, but (laughs) I was, I felt myself succumbing to it because of my age and everything else. And um, I was really afraid to bring children into my world um, Mm -hmm. because if he did even half of what he did to me, I didn't know. um, I was so angry and everything at the time that I didn't know if I could control myself if he was Mm -hmm. my child. (laughs) So um, that is a, a big thing that never happened for me. I've never had children because of um because of everything that came after <laughs> all of this. So, um, and let me just, let me, if you don't mind, let me just ask you there. Do you, do you feel robbed of that? Because I mean, yes, it comes down to choice, but do you feel because of the experience and the ways it might've mired your soul or your tainted your perception, or it may have caused you to be reticent. Do you feel in some instances, even though you feel you might have made the best decision or for the for that time in your life, it was the best decision. Do you still feel on some level that you were robbed of that? Um, yes, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Robbed. But but again, I have to take responsibility for that. It was my decision. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I did not want to to bring children into that unsafe marriage and so I wanted to um it, it took a long time because I because after I left the marriage I I didn't know how messed up I was and I continued to make bad relationship choices let's mm-hmm. put it that way and so each one did not lead to you know uh, the kind of situation I would want to start a family in mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, and then um, the when you read my bio, you mentioned the cop that I married. I was married to him for 22 years, but when I met him, he had two boys, and he did not want to have any more children. So um, I was okay with that, but I was like, you know, early 30s. So I was okay then because there were those two boys. But later in life, and it's really <laughs> probably into my early 50s where I I'll – I'll just stop sometimes and really, really hurt <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's too late now. So mm-hmm. I'm waiting for grandkids. <laughs> well, what I, what I will say to that, you know, and it's a bittersweet um, sentiment that I wish to express to you um, because on one hand, I can appreciate the loss, right? The loss of what you were deserving, the loss had circumstances, um, unfolded in a different way where it would have been intuitively sound in which to have made the decision to have children. 
But because the situation and the circumstances weren't aligned for you and age was kind of running away, not being in your favor, what I will say, particularly coming from the framework once upon a time in social services and working in women's shelters, women and children fleeing abuse, what I will say to you, if it offers any consolation, um, I do want to commend you, Liz, because you being able to intuitively, intrinsically exercise making sound decisions for the circumstances that you found yourself in at the time, you also potentially broke intergenerational patterns and cycles of dysfunction and toxicity. And you probably spared children because we can't predict even if we're like eternal optimists, even if you had opted to bring children and there would be no judgment had you done so. Um, but if the environment still didn't support healthiness where children being raised would have been conducive um, for what you spared those unborn children, I just want to applaud you as bittersweet and as convoluted as all that is. Uh, <laughs> I, ho I hope you get some solace in that. I hope you find some comfort in that. No, I do, Lisa. No one's ever said that to me before. Um, not a direction I've I've looked at. I'm always looking from inside the hurt out, but no one's ever said that. So yes, that's that's. I guess I did do that because it wouldn't have been a healthy environment for them, and then they could have carried that on. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and and as a parent myself, the one thing that I always am cognizant of. Um, it's, you know, when it comes to the aspect of relationships and because I have both a son and a daughter, it's very equally important to me in the raising of both of them that my son not only respect women, but he respect himself. Therefore it starts in the home and it's like, what am I role modeling? Whether I'm single partnered, whatever, what am I role modeling that subconsciously consciously he's formulating as some sign of, uh, this is what constitutes a relationship, right, wrong, healthy, indifferent. Uh, and same for my daughter. You know, I want them to make good, sound decisions. I want them to be proud of who they are. I want them to understand their worthiness and their deservability. And thereby embracing that, they select people who are deserving of them. And so I just want to, I really take my hat off to you on that front, uh, Liz, because um, that, 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 would, that would not have been a tough decision to have made. And yet, even though you felt you were confused, you felt you were overwhelmed, you were too entrenched in what you were going through and knowing there was still huge monumental healing that would have had to have taken place afterwards, you selflessly put the best interest of unborn children before the immediate gratification of just wanting to honor those maternal instincts. So, again, kudos to you. Thanks. And, you know, I was... I'm, you know, at the time, being young and everything, I didn't think it through that well, the way you so eloquently just said that. But <laughs> I was more like, I I think I might kill him if he hurt my kid. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then where would I be? And I also thought about later in life, I would be eternally tied because of the children. I would have been tied to my predator. And I don't think that I would have experienced the the healing that I of actually severing that tie completely. So that's very astute of you. And you're probably a hundred percent right in that. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your, 
where you are within the healing journey in the way that that would correlate with the whole issue aspect of trust. Where are you when it comes to trusting other people, whether it be men specifically, whether it be people in general? Oh, (laughs) that's a deep one. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I, um, it's, it's all in the book and I don't want to, um, yeah, into that too deep because I wouldn't be able to keep my my voice solid. But um, there was a chapter I wrote where, when I did try to leave my abuser, um, if you believe that a husband can rape a wife, <laughs> um, that is one that was one of the toughest chapters I wrote is reliving that because I had I had to put that away. Mm-hmm. I had pushed that down so deep that until I started to write the book, um, I had repressed a lot. So um, what surfaced was what I wrote. And um, and having said that, I did experience some, um, some PTSD, mm-hmm. which I did not recognize for many, many years. Um, and probably I was in my late 30s where... And this is this one's fresh in my mind because I just wrote an article about it. But um, I I still to this day have um, triggers. Mm-hmm. So um, and most of them are like physical. So if someone were to come up behind me and say shove me in the back to say save me from being run over, car, <laughs> right? Um, I would lose it. And, and it's not, it's not something like, it's not, I'm not cognizant of at the time, but I will physically react. So, um, an example, we were, um, my cop husband at the time, we were walking through a restaurant door and a couple came rushing past us. And in order to kind of get me out of the way and let them through, he just placed his hand on my lower back, but he pushed Mm. and, I swung around and started bashing him in the chest um, and I dropped my purse on the floor and I'm doing this in front of all these people. And in the moment I'm just, I'm protecting myself. Like I understand it now. I can explain it to you. I'm my subconscious is protecting me. Yes. Okay. But it's so many years later and it has nothing to do with anything that I went through. It's just a trigger. Mm -hmm. So in realizing that about myself, because it wasn't the only time that a physical thing like that triggered me, um, I understood that rape victims um, and even some of the some of the trauma through the uh, through the abuse, um, post-traumatic stress, I just always thought was, you know, that's for veterans. That's for people that experience you know, a, a mass shooting or something. It's it's not something that I would necessarily experience, but I most certainly did. And so the growth part um, has been steady through counseling, through a lot of self-help. I've, I've read so many self-help books. I, I prefer to read and and work through things myself rather than talk to another person. I just I get more out of it. I'm I'm not sure why, but um, I think that that trying to work work through everything I realized I still had going on internally, it actually pushed me way past any any personal growth that most people would would go through in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and they act and so I'm I'm researching it for this article that I'm writing and I find it that it's called post-traumatic growth it's actually a thing lovely <laughs> an acronym PTG and so when I read about that I was like wow so yes PTSD is is not a nice thing and most of those symptoms have subsided uh, I'm never really in a situation where where you see them um, come into the light, let's say, because it's not pretty when it happens. But mm -hmm. um, but just um, it it just propelled me through personal growth and um, looking at myself from a, a different perspective. Um, and um, I think I've probably experienced more more growth and. Um, Oh God, I'm having trouble expressing this, but probably more than most people would just because of the trauma, because I had to get over that because I wanted my new relationships to be healthy. And yes. I didn't want to bring that old stuff, that old baggage, we call it, mm -hmm. you know, into the future with me. And, and the book was cathartic in that completely because I, I've read the book once it was published and I got a copy in my hands. I'm like, now I'm going to read it instead of, you know, instead of all the edited version, I'm going to sit down and read this book whole. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I don't even recognize the girl in that book anymore. I'm so not her. Beautiful. Beautiful. Her. I don't recognize her. Um, and I'm separated from the trauma. I, mm -hmm. that's when I really realized how far I'd come. It just, I'm not her and I don't even know her. Like I don't know anything about her. I'm I'm so beyond it and mm -hmm. so disconnected from that life. Like and once I wrote the book and writing it and having it floating around in your office is one thing, but once it was published and it's like, oh my dirty laundry's out there for everyone to read, I just felt done with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's even weird to have this conversation with you because you know, yes, I want people to read my book because it's a true story, because it's about courage and fear and shame. And in the end, it's about hope. And yes, and the statistics around domestic abuse are insanely high. It's horrendous, horrendous. But, you know, and this isn't like a, a really positive thing, but it's something I think about all the time is the biggest thing that wraps around abuse of any kind is silence. Yes. Because we don't talk about it because it's, we're ashamed. Mm hmm. So deeply ashamed. <laughs> that you, you Absolutely. Don't, you don't want to talk about it. So this was a way for me to not talk about it, but a way for me to say it all and show that I had come through it and I'm not bitter and I'm not a, a messed up, basket case <laughs> you know like I'm I uh, and so it's I'm hoping that it provides somebody even one person I thought if even one person read my book everything that it took for me to put that in in words <laughs> would mm -hmm. be it. if I could help one girl not experience what I experienced or I say girl but you know, there are, there are, there's abuse everywhere and guys yes. get abused too. Elderly people get abused, children, 
animals. Like it's, you know, when you think of domestic abuse, it's usually a, a guy and a girl and the girl's being abused, but it's not the case. And if, if you think women are silent about abuse, <laughs> men, yes, there, they, there is no chance they're talking about it. Absolutely. And you, you said a few things that I, I really want to touch upon. And it stood out to me when you and I were talking behind the scenes one on one, Liz. And what I love about your story is you don't define yourself. You're not caught up into the victimology because oftentimes when people come from a traumatic background and then they take on, you know, the speaking circuit or they take on the blogging circuit or they take on the podcasting circuit or any which medium to get a message out. Oftentimes it's always a diversion. It's it's always going back to the abuse and that can be re-victimizing and it can be re-triggering. And what I loved when you and I spoke that really shone through into what degree I know this holds true as you hold space for this is it really was the book itself, the writing of the book, it was cathartic. It was necessary. It was part of the healing. It's also pivotal and instrumental in who else going forward can benefit from your story, your healing journey, uh, what it means to step into your courage, what it means to overcome adversity. Um, but you're really not defined by it. And, and so I love the fact that it served its purpose, but it has not defined you. And, and going forward now, you're about embracing the yummy stuff. It's not neglecting the important life lessons, which are important to hold on to, so as to protect yourself. Uh, so as to um, not abandon all the important lessons in which you've learned so as to prevent those same mistakes playing out or avoiding those same types of people uh, reemerging in your life. But it's really about, okay, it served its purpose. I know it's going to stand to benefit other people, but there's so much more in store for me. And it's really about the good stuff now. And it's really about how do I rebirth myself? How do I redefine myself? How do I recharacterize myself? And how do I now show up to the rest of the world? So um, let's talk about your purpose, your passion in terms of blogging. I mean, you really found your sweet spot with that. And you told me something that was quite interesting about medium and something having gone completely explosive and viral. Do you want to share that? <laughs> sure. Um so once I once I wrote the book and enjoyed the process and found that it was really easy for me, um, it kind of woke me up to, you know, maybe I should do more of this. And so I was looking, I read all the time and I was reading on Medium. And then I saw, uh, you know, that you can write too. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I just set that up. And so... I started writing and I thought I, it, I could write more about the abuse and, and get my message out there and help other people realize that they're, they're not alone. You mm -hmm. feel so alone when you're abused because you don't want to talk about it to anyone and, and you downplay it and you think, Oh, it's not so bad. But um, that's what I meant about that book I read when I was 24. It, it, uh, it, it could have been my life had you changed the names in the book, but it was more well, the, the biggest thing I took away from it was like, this is happening to other people. Mm -hmm. And at that age, I didn't realize that what I was living was as bad as it was. I didn't know. And it's like, okay, so my instincts are kicking in. 
I should get out of this. This is bad. So that's what I'm hoping um, when somebody reads my story, it's like they, they'll feel less alone. And, and so then when I was writing on Medium, I'm like, I can continue this. I can take one of those chapters and build on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found was I, I, um, I did some of that. I, I wrote about, you know, some of the trauma. I grabbed a chapter out in it and, and put more detail into it and talked about how I came out of it, all those good things. But the more I did that, the more I was like, I don't want to write about this anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Understandable. I'm so done with this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to stay in this negative negativity. Um, so, so, so the book and then the writing on medium, I did do some of that, but eventually I just kind of found, found myself, okay, I'm done with this now. And mm -hmm. so the one that went viral is, is the zipper zipped thing that you mentioned. So <laughs> I'm remarried to a cop for 22 years, come to find out, um, he'd been cheating. So I won't go into too much detail in case he's listening, right. but, <laughs> but I just wrote that story because it happened at his retirement party. When I found out, mm -hmm. um, his, I, I had spent four months putting, um, a huge retirement party with a hundred and odd people, uh, coming together for closure for his 30 some odd year career as a cop. And, um, so I just wrote the story of that evening when all that was going on and he decided that's when he was going to tell me that he was cheating because uh, the girlfriend of the girlfriend come to find out that's the title of my story. His girlfriend's girlfriend wrote me a letter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the title. <laughs> so he told me at the retirement party, uh, we went on with the party anyway. Uh, things did eventually fall apart, but, um, and then I got a letter from his girlfriend's girlfriend. So <laughs> that wow. viral. And you just don't know, you know, when you write something that was easy, it was kind of laughable to me now. It wasn't mm -hmm. that time, obviously, but um, that's the kind of stuff that goes viral. Like <laughs> who knew? <laughs> right. True stories. <laughs> well, because it resonates with people. Unfortunately, the things that you're talking about, whether we're statistically talking about uh, abuse or we're talking about infidelity or we're talking about betrayal, or we're talking, I mean, who as a human being at this particular age stage in our lives as adults can't on some level relate, identify, resonate with that. And so when you when you take it back to what you've said a few times throughout the course of this interview, which is so crucial, because it's so true, it doesn't matter what the statistics necessarily suggest to prove that you're not alone. When you're in the throes of it, you certainly feel alone, you feel isolated, and you are grappling with how did I miss the red flags? How did I miss yeah. all of that? Right. And if it's not an isolated situation, how am I here again? How, how did I wind up here again? You know, different situation, but it's the same toxicity. It's the same dysfunction. It's the same mistreatment. And so it doesn't surprise me when people talk about their real visceral 
experiences in life and you know and again the catharticness of getting it out on paper because you're getting you're purging you're purging you're purging but you're also giving other people the readers the benefit of going oh my god this woman is so on fire this woman is so in her power this woman has obviously come out on the other side to the point where she can write publicly about this and knowing that it does stand to benefit somebody else It, it 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 could enlightened them it could be the aha epiphany cathartic moment that makes them immediately exit a similar type situation and get on with their healing journey and get on with really loving their life and and coming into their own so uh it does not surprise me whatsoever you writing about these things have really resonated and taken off with people in other forums uh liz and and so i would like to ask you because it's a very um regardless of you know the whole living fearlessly doesn't matter what it implies it's subjective what does living fearlessly mean to you oh what does that mean living okay so well today's an example yes (laughs) good for you (laughs) today's an example because um i think it's it's just stepping outside of your comfort zone and everybody says that but I do that on purpose mm-hmm. I I tried to talk myself out of this interview oh I don't know about 10 times I wouldn't have let that happen just so you know <laughs> I'm just like why am I subjecting myself to this you know what am I doing why am I doing this um and then I went back to our conversation and you kind of drilled that home it's like you're doing it for somebody that's listening that that needs to hear this today and um so living fearlessly to me is is just stepping out there all the time get uncomfortable um do what you don't want to do because those are the when you're doing things that you don't want to do it means most people don't want to do that and and um and that's how you move forward that's you know, and I don't want to just um, move forward. I want to like bounce forward. Beautiful. You Beautiful. Know? Love that. Yeah. I just want to keep, um, I don't want to get complacent. You know, I'm going to be 60 in August and it's easy to just go, oh, okay, I've, I've done enough. Like, you know, but um, living fearlessly, I mean, I lost my corporate job in 2008 when the market went upside down. Mm-hmm. I've never gone back to that nine to five grind. Congratulations. Um, Good for you. <laughs> it's been a roller coaster ride. But um, I, in hindsight, that was the best thing that ever happened to me was losing that job because that also propelled me through growth. Yes, um, because I had to rediscover Liz. It's easy to hide at work when somebody's telling you what to do every day, and you're tired, and you lay your head down, you have dinner, you get back up, and you do it all over again. Mm-hmm. It's easy just to stay there and never grow. If if you're working online um, and trying to learn new skills, especially at my age, uh, and nothing stays stagnant online for more than a week, from what That's I that's right. <laughs> so true. <laughs> So I feel fearless every day I step in my office here and, and try and get some work done. And, um, and just, um, I, 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 that's probably not everything I want to say, but it's all I can think of to say. Beautiful. right now. Um, well, 
And I, I want to applaud you for coming on radio. How are you feeling right now? Um, better now. I'm very nervous, but uh, <laughs> you never know it. You never know it. Wow. Yeah, I, I laugh when I'm nervous, so that's a telltale sign. But um, I did want to go back um, a little bit to you asked me about trust, and I know I got off top mm -hmm. there. Um, and um, I think what I've uh, I'm slow to trust. I have to say that I'm uh, because of my experiences. I'm slow to trust again, but I I make myself do it. Mm -hmm. I'm conscious that I don't trust easily. Um, I'm not, I'm not looking for people to you know um, take advantage of me. I don't expect it, mm -hmm. but I see it coming. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm more aware of it. I I, I choose who's in my circle. Um, much more carefully than I used to. I used to be if somebody like me, I'll be their friend. But I've realized that um, to feel empowered and and to live fearlessly, to surround yourself with people that you um, respect and admire, yes, want aspire to be. So, so like when we had our conversation the other day, I'm just like, wow, like this girl, she's a go getter and. I want to be more like that. So that was part of the the, the reasoning. It's like, I'm just going to trust that she has my best interest at heart. When I said, am I going to know the questions in advance? <laughs> I was serious. Yeah. I, and that's a trust thing. That's I, I don't know what she's going to bring up. I don't trust this situation. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I pushed through that. And no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to trust that Lisa has my best interest at heart here and she's not going to throw anything out there on the table that's going to make me cry in front of a lot of people. <laughs> okay, well, let me say a couple things to that. I, I mean, again, this goes back to the caliber of your soul, the makeup of your soul. I mean, you're such a quality person and I just love how vulnerable you're being and you're being very raw. And that again is what resonates with people the most because they don't want to talk about the success. You know, people don't want to just hear about the successes. They want to know, you know, how are we similar? We bleed the same. We do cry. And had you cried, I mean, it would never be my intention to seek out to make you cry. <laughs> but again, you would know, and we've had this, we had this conversation in different ways. Um, but, and I did kind of rake you over the coals a little bit and I did it lovingly and I did it respectfully. It's like, you know, don't compare yourself to me. I am in awe of your story. I am in awe of your courage. I am in awe of your indomitable spirit. There, there people stand to gain from you alone. I mean, I'm facilitating and hosting this interview, but when I think of what you've overcome and the ways in which you choose to respectfully rise every single day and taking into account, I am worthy. I am deservable. I, you know, I do deserve to have a good life and I, and, and I do deserve to be happy and all those things. Um, not everybody who's experienced what you've experienced can can come to those conclusions. Not everybody can come to that intrinsic believability within themselves. Yes, I do believe this. Yes, I, I, I do want this. I am willing to embrace this. And I am willing to take risks and go out on a limb and put myself out there. And even if I'm a little bit more reticent to trust, I'm not going to close the door on it altogether because then I'm going to be essentially denying myself 
the possibility of meeting like-minded people. And if I, if I close the door on that, I might not be able to help people to the degree I potentially could. And you coming on to this show, not only is it you living fearlessly, um, Liz, and even if you did cry, you would still be living fearlessly and you would still be brave and you would still be courageous and it would not dilute your message and it would not take away from you. It wouldn't be dispiriting. It wouldn't be disempowering. Um, and I thank you for entrusting me because I know what you've gone through for what you've shared. And there's a lot of parallels between you and I. So when we talk about things like trust, when we talk about, you know, um, just throwing it out there to the universe and giving people the benefit of the doubt that they're, they're not going to stab you in the back. They're not going to set you up to fail. Um, they're not going to make you look foolish or, or make you feel or look small. I want to say for the ways in which you've entrusted me and knowing that there was no previous Q and a, there was no script, there was nothing to prepare for in advance. You just won it with me. And I just want to say, thank you for that. I really thank you for that. No, I, it's probably better that we did it this way. <laughs> Yes. I don't know. It's probably better, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I find that um, just, just pushing through all the, the growth and making it really a, something that I focus on and I do it all the time. It's um, you have more of a sense of gratitude, like yes. just for life in general, you, you feel more grateful Um I have a lot of empathy for other people and compassion mm -hmm. that, that maybe I, you know, it seems heightened um, because I can, I can relate, I suppose. Um, I work really hard at the relationships that I do have. Mm -hmm. I try to be like my, my best me all the time. Um, like I'm very self-aware, I guess you would say mm -hmm. um, of how I'm acting or, treating somebody else and uh, uh resilience you know i have really strong um coping skills yes you do so just kind of have you know maybe they were kind of there but um but i think i've worked really hard towards that and um and then so when new opportunities like this come up um i find you know it's not like oh i got this <laughs> not a chance i'm I talk myself into it. I will walk pacing around out here outside before we called. And uh, I'm just like, you got this, you know, you're, you're strong. You can do this. Um, it's a great experience. You know, you're going to grow from this, mm -hmm. you know, so beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I just want to say being cognizant of time, two things. I want to give you an opportunity for the global listeners, as well as for the podcast subscribers, where can people connect with you? Where can people purchase your book? Um, and also, I want to give you the opportunity to let it be known. What's on the horizon? What What else are you perhaps endeavoring to do? Is there a book number two? Is there a different direction that you're kind of contemplating whether to embark upon? Anything else that you can let the listeners and myself be privy to that you would wish to share, Liz? <laughs> uh, well, um, my memoir is called Silent Fright, and mm -hmm. I did write it under a pen name mm -hmm. um, for, for legal reasons to protect the innocent and the not-so-innocent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the, uh, the names and locations and things are changed in my book, and I wrote under a pen name to, to be sure that 
Um, I wasn't, this is going to sound weird, but I did not want to make his life any harder. Like this. So there's wow. nothing malicious in me about mm -hmm. what's out there. It's not about him. It's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about somebody else maybe, um, you know, reading the book and either realizing that their situation is bad and they need to move on or, or just to have hope somehow from, from reading that it's, so that's why I did that. And, and it's on sale. I've put it on Amazon, um, in Canada and.com it's in, it's on Goodreads, mm -hmm. Smash Words and Barnes and Noble Nook. So pretty much anywhere you can buy a book, you'll find it, uh, electronic and paperback. Beautiful. So, um, so that's out there. My, I'm on Medium under Liz Porter. Mm -hmm. um, I do have quite a few articles out there. Um, I'm going to start writing on Thrive Global. Woohoo! Congratulations. I'm going to do that. And, you know, there are probably two more books in me. There's a part two and a part three to this. Mm -hmm. um, I just haven't had the stomach to start yet <laughs> because I know um, what it takes to put to, to pull that together. But mm -hmm. um, I am kind of curious about how how the book would would um, or the second part and the third part would actually help if it would be as easy as this one was to write. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I don't know. But the people that have read it, so they can't put it down. Mm -hmm. When isn't when is the second part? Because you, you you left us hanging a little at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's not motivation to get you going on writing the second one, I don't know what is, Liz. <laughs> I know. I need to do it. I just have not. So really, I'm just focusing on uh, on medium, um, semi-retired at this point. So just trying to, um, you know, spend spend time enjoying life a little bit because I am a bit of a workaholic and I just mm -hmm. try and push all the time. So there are days when it's just like, Liz, it's okay to take a breath and, and live a little. So I'm going to be doing more of that. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, well earned, well deserved. And again, and again it's, it's part it's, of the boundaries, right? It's asserting your own boundaries and self care and all of that. All of that. Um, absolutely. So Liz, I just want to thank you once again for the gift of your time. I want to thank you for very vulnerably sharing of yourself, uh, imparting what you did to the listening audience, to the podcast subscribers, and to myself. I think people who opt to put themselves out there knowing it stands to benefit other people and knowing that it's going to shift their energy, shift the trajectory of where they're going. Perhaps it might absolve them of some things. It might kickstart their healing journey. It might get them into a situation where by listening to you and your story, the telling and the sharing of your story, um, who knows what decisions are going to be made by the listeners today. And you, you may be cognizant of that. People may reach out to you and thank you for that. You may otherwise never know, but just know that what it is that you are doing and everything that you stand for, um, it's a beautiful thing. What you're doing is a beautiful thing. And I want to thank you from the center of my heart for 
sharing of yourself with myself, the listeners and the podcast subscribers. And when you do write that book, number two, (laughs) and when you do write that book, number three, you are coming back on this show and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to get that in the eyes and the ears of everybody to know that it exists. Okay, my friend. Okay. Thank you very much, Lisa, for all that. And my last words are stop shrinking into places you've outgrown. Beautiful. Love that. To my listening audience, I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time for tuning in to myself and my guest of today, my phenomenal guest, Liz Porter. Strongly encourage you to play back the podcast, um, knowing that you stand to benefit from it as well. Maybe not necessarily understanding in what ways. The first time you listen to it, re-listen to it over and over again. It's not a plug for me. It's to help you. And what Liz has offered here today, it's gold. So take advantage of it. I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next week when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest, I want to wish you all my very best. Love and gratitude. Love and gratitude to you as well, Liz. And we'll be talking again. This is just the beginning of our relationship. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.